your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes.
elders in this um, throne room worshipping the Lord holy, holy, holy holy are you Lord and then they ask who is worthy to open the scroll
it's amazing that when we go into a time of worship, we can just pour out our hearts before the Lord. And in that sense, we're ministering to Him. We are attending to Him. And uh, when we do that, when we pour out our worship upon Him like oil, it's then when the Holy Spirit lights us and the fire begins to burn in us even brighter and so that we can be the light of the Lord and, and, and have passion for this world. And I, I trust and I pray for all of us that in this time as we are in lockdown and whatever that looks like, and I know it's different for different people now, but that there would be a real sense of the pouring out of our hearts in worship before the Lord and that He would stir us and that He would set our hearts alight and ablaze uh, in this space and time. And, and I've just sensed that this morning even the Lord is saying to some of you and to us that there's new fires that He's burning in our hearts. There's new things that He wants to stir in us for His purposes. Uh, and those things will be stirred when we come before Him in worship and as we minister to Him and as we pour out the oil of our lives before Him. So can I pray for you just for a stirring of the Spirit of God in your life and in my life and that He will do new things in us. Lord, we thank You. I thank You for every person joining me today for this time of just worshiping that we've had, of ministering to you. And I pray, Lord, that in every one of our hearts, as we pour out our heart before you, that there will be a, a fire that will grow inside of us, a, a passion for your kingdom and to see your kingdom come right now on earth as it is in heaven. Pray for every person, a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning in our lives. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's so great to be with you this morning, and uh, we want to worship the Lord through our tithes and offerings. So right now, why don't you get ready what you want to give to the Lord? If you're watching on the East platforms, you give to the East, the bank account, SnapScan code that's available there. South, you give to the South, and the SnapScan code that is available there. Uh, we've been doing many things also, not just through our tithes and offerings, but in other ways, helping people. And I want to thank you for giving uh, in the East to people that have given to the Winter Warmer Program. It's been so beautiful to see that that's been going on and how people have brought things and lots of clothes. But can I encourage you that we particularly need food. So on Tuesdays to Thursday and Thursdays, Tuesdays and Thursdays, between 9 and 1, uh, won't you look on our social media platforms and there's food items listed and particularly we need some food to be able to distribute. The South Church is, uh, is building up towards a drive and that they'll actually have a drive-through at the church property where you can come and drop things. So won't you look at their media platforms also and see how you can be part of that. I uh, just wanted to just tell you about the great things that happened in our uh, homeless center where we were part of helping some people with uh, time, uh, living space during this time of COVID-19. And, and uh, we, as, you, as many of you know, that we housed uh, 16, uh, started with 18 people, eventually 16 people. And it's been amazing to see what God has done in those people's lives. Over the last week, we've wrapped up that program because most of those people have been reunited with their families and have been able to, with an ID book in hand, that we helped them get their identity documents, gave them some food, blankets, uh, mattress, and, and so they went home, not as a, 
as a homeless person, but as a person with things, and they were reunited with their families, and it was some beautiful moments that were shared as those people were lifted up, and that's all because of your generous giving, and I want to thank you for being part of that uh, also, and may the Lord continue to do amazing things through His people. So won't you get ready to give this morning your tithe and your offerings, and, and make use of the bank account and the SnapScan as it comes on your screen now. Thank you for your giving. I want to share a message with you this morning that I believe is of great importance for this time that we are in. And, and uh, I've entitled this message Socially Distant. And the word social distancing and the concept of social distancing has become very familiar for us over the last months. I mean, it's a concept and a thought that none of us had uh, just four or five months ago. But suddenly it's become the way we live in this world now. We are we're so aware of social distancing. But I want to apply it in a different space because I believe the Lord is right now highlighting another element of us and how we can be and how we tend to be socially distant. And he's addressing that because not that he wants us to be socially distant, but actually to bring us closer to one another. And um, I'd like you to ask you that this message, I believe, is of great importance, but you need to receive this message in its totality. So please engage with me. Listen through this message um, from the beginning to the end and, and try not to focus on one section or one part too much, but to receive this message as a unit and, it, and, its, and its completeness. I was spending some time with the Lord a couple of weeks ago and, and I can't remember exactly how, but I somehow ended with uh, going to uh, Nehemiah 8 and uh, that portion of scripture where, it's so, where we, we so often quote, where it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, I was reading that scripture and I sort of went, I don't quite actually, as a person, if I'm honest, know exactly what does that scripture mean, to, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Practically, how, how, what does that look like? And uh, so I went and read the scripture in its context and, and then went and a little bit of digging and to think, well, what does this really mean? And I want to start there with us today and go and together I'd like us to read Nehemiah 8 and just a couple of verses in Nehemiah 8. And uh, the context is, it's the, the period of time now where Nehemiah was used by God to rebuild Jerusalem. The walls have been rebuilt, and the people of God are coming back to Jerusalem. And uh, they, the numbers of people are coming back and moving back into Jerusalem and coming back home. And um, this is an occasion where they are now gathered for a specific reason. The, the Ezra and Nehemiah and the, and the Levites and the priests called the people together for a day that was a special day and they organized this day and the purpose of the day was they were now coming back together as a nation of Israel and they were going to read the law and explain the law of God to the people of Israel. And the scripture says they started early in the morning and they went through right to the middle of the day and they just read the scripture to them, the laws to them and then started explaining it. And as they were explaining the law to the people and, and telling the people the law of God, it evoked a response from the people and the people started feeling sorrow for how far they have fallen away from God's law and how they have sinned and and they were starting to weep and it's there where I want to read pick up the scripture for you and in verse 8 it says the following they read from the book of the law of God making it clear translating it and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teachers of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. 
For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The people were rightfully responding with a lament, with a sorrow, because of how they have broken God's law. But then the prophet says to them, no, no, this is not a time to mourn. Their mourning was appropriate, but why does he say to them, this is not a time to, to mourn, but to rejoice? And, and the picture is this. He says to them, look upon the face of God. What expression do you see on God's face? And when you looked at God at that moment, God's face was a face of joy, not a face of sorrow, not a face of anger even, not a face of disappointment with his people because of the laws that they have broken, but a, a, a face filled with joy. Why? Because God's children had come home. He was filled with joy because his children has been reunited with him. They were in exile. I love the Afrikaans word, balangskap. They were away from God. They were suffering far away from him. But now they have been brought close to him. They are back in his home. They are home with him. And his face is filled with joy. And the prophet says it's God's response that must determine how we feel in this moment. Because what he's experiencing. And therefore he said, let the joy that you see on God's face strengthen you in this moment. So that you can also celebrate and have a party. And those that, that don't have things to share with one another. Because the children of God has come home. It makes me think of the parable of the prodigal son in the New Testament. Remember the story of the prodigal son was of a, of a son that grew restless in his father's house. He wanted to spread his wings. He wanted to, to go out and try life on his own and, and, and for his own reasons and by his own standards. And so he did something unthinkable in the culture of the day, in the honor culture and in a family culture, a patriarchal culture of the day. He did something so harsh towards his father. He came to his father and he said, I want my my inheritance now. I can't wait till the day you die. In a sense, he was saying to his father, I wish you were dead already now. And he said, because I want to go this on my own. Just give me what I'm going to inherit one day. Give it to me now. And I'm going to go off and live life on my own. And so the father did this. Broke his heart. But he gave to his son. He empowered him. And the son went off. And, and went and lived the life that he wanted to live. Lived a life with his own intentions. And you know how the story goes. Gradually things started falling apart. And eventually he found himself broke. And uh, he, he, he came to a position where he actually stepped into a place. Which would never have done. As a Jewish young man he would never have done this. But because he was so desperate to just eat. He went and worked with somebody's pigs. And he looked after the pigs of somebody and he started eating the slop of the pigs. How far he has fallen and come away from his father's house. This, this story, and we don't have time to unpack it all today, but there's so much about identity in this story. He'd actually come to a place where, he's, where that which was his identity he began to lose and became somebody completely different. But there was a moment in that story where there in the, with the swine in the slop, he remembered where he came from. And he looked at himself and he said, I am not what I am supposed to be. And he realized if he can just go home, and even if he doesn't become a son with full rights again in his father's house, 
But if he can just get home and be a slave in his father's household, he'll be better off. He'll be able to get back to some form of the identity that he used to have. And so he starts the journey back home. And, and, in, the, and in Luke 15, verse 21 to 22, we read how, what happened when the son went home. Now, if you know the story, what was actually happening is, and some people say, this is not the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the running father. Because this father was every day watching, wondering where his son was, hoping, praying that his son would come home, looking down the road. Perhaps today my son will return. And this particular day, as he looked down the road of their property, of their household, of their farm or whatever, there he saw the son coming. And so he ran towards the son and he ran and, and, and went and embraced him. But the son had a speech prepared of, of repentance, of sorrow, because he's recognized how far he fell away from, the, from his father. Like the Israelites in the story of Nehemiah recognized how far they fell away from God. This son recognized how far he fell away from his father. And he, and he wanted to repent and weep before his father and ask his father's forgiveness. And in verse 21, we read this. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the same. Do you see the similarity between these two stories? A son that wants to mourn and weep, but a father whose face is filled with joy and says, Now is the time to celebrate. My son has come home. This is who our father is. Every one of us that, that know him and that, that is children of our father knows that the most important thing for him is that his children be reunited with him. And that's why Jesus, when they asked him, tell us what is the law of God and how to keep the law of God. He says, the law comes down to these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then Jesus added in one context, he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. But later on, he said, love each other as I have loved you. These are the two things that are the most important for God is that his children be reunited with him. But when, I, when his children are reunited with him, that's not only a horizontal reality, it's also a vertical reality. When the children get reunited with God, they also become reunited with one another. Just think about it practically. We can't get closer to God without getting closer to one another. And that's why the law of the scripture is this total picture of man being reunited with God. And in that process, also man being restored and reunited with one another. And that's what brings God the greatest joy. That's the joy on his face. That is the joy of the Lord is when his children comes home like this father of the prodigal son. That's when God throws a party. That's when, when he gets excited, man. That's when he brings out the best food and, and the choicest meals and says, let's celebrate. My children are coming home. They're coming to be with me. Now, I believe we're living in a particular time where God is focusing on some of his children and, and wanting them to come home to him. Coming home to him, what I mean by that is coming into the space of their true identity in him and a place of knowing their value and their worth in the Lord Jesus. Today I want to talk with you, not as a politician, not as a person firstly concerned with issues of law and justice, 
But I want to talk to you as a pastor. I want to talk with you as your pastor today. About what we're seeing going on in the world. It started in America. That there's a, a move of the Spirit of God, I believe, that is busy happening. Where God is reaching out to some of His children and saying, I love you and I want you to come home into my heart and, and, and into the place that I have prepared for you. And what I'm referring to is what many people will, will, will understand about Black Lives Matter. And I know, please stay with me right now. You need to hear my heart in this. I know for many people this is difficult when we want to talk about it. But I believe we need to see this from God's perspective. This is a moment where God is reaching out to one of his children, if, if you allow me to use that analogy, and saying, come home. And it's where the rest of us, the other children of God, needs to understand and see the joy and the love on our father's face for one of his children and respond appropriately. And I think we all understand that, for particularly those of us that are parents. You know, there's times when one of our children are struggling, when one of our children is in pain, that we turn to that child and that we particularly attend to that child. You may, if one of our children is in hospital, if one of your children are in, in hospital, you have to take time and focus away from your other children to focus on the pain and the suffering and the struggle of that one child particularly. That doesn't mean you don't love your other children. doesn't mean you don't, you're not concerned about their pain or that, that suddenly whatever they're going through in life is not important. But it's just appropriate that at this moment you're paying attention to this child. I believe right now our father is giving attention to one of his children that for generations, for centuries, have been suffering and has a lot of pain because of racism, because of injustice that has been done to them. And what's happened in America and the, and the, the violence there is this pain that is, is, has, has stirred this pain. And I believe God is calling his, his family to say, now's the time to attend to this one child. And, and, and we must all see the, our father's face. And look in the direction that he's looking. Doesn't the scripture say in, uh, in Romans 12 verse 15. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In Corinthians it says if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. One of God's children is hurting. And I think it's appropriate for all of God's family to join in and to say, Lord, how do we attend to this hurt at the moment? We, we have a, a, a son, in our, many of you know this as part of our story. One of our children was born with, uh, with problems with his feet, and he's also on the autism scale, which means he doesn't quite fit into society as well as, as, as generally people do. Um, he's just had some struggles. And I remember Natasha and I were, were so clear. There was a day that he came home from school. He was in grade eight, first year of high school. And he came home and he was crying. And uh, he's in a regular school. He was in a, in a regular school. And he was crying because kids that day made fun of him. They, they said harsh things about him. They belittled him publicly in front of others. And it was a tough day for him. And he came home and he was crying. And he was telling us what these kids were saying to him. And obviously our response in that moment, I can't remember the exact words we used. But we probably said something to him like, you're, you're beautiful, my boy. 
We love you so much. You, you, we, we love you like you're our favorite, but we may have even said to him, we, we were like, there's nothing wrong with you. You are perfect in every way. We, we just love you so much. Because that's what he needed to hear at that moment. He needed to hear that his life matters. And we, he needed to hear that we heard his pain. You know what I'm so thankful for? That in that moment when we dealt with it, his brothers came around. And I remember it so clearly. His brothers came and they realized something was wrong. And they came into the room with us and they heard his pain. And I'm so glad that their first response wasn't when we were paying attention to him and talking to him and spending time with him. Their first response wasn't, but I, what about my pain? Their first response, you know what their first response was? They said, and two of his brothers, his older brothers in the same school with him, they said, tell us who these kids are that said this, and we'll go sort them out. Now, obviously, that wasn't the right response, and we had to tell them that's not how we're going to deal with it. But their response was a response of solidarity. Their response was a response of, we see your pain. We recognize your pain. How can we help you deal with your pain? And, and, it, and we had to deal with that as a family, and, we sat down with our son and we had a conversation with him when the time was ready. And we said, look, what do you need from us? Do you want to change schools? And to his credit, at that moment, he said, no, let me try. Let me see if I can sort this out myself and how I can handle this. But we kept on having conversations with him and we kept on helping him, talking him through it. And eventually it came that he had to change schools and he came to Hatfield Christian School. Amazing. And, and man, it, it changed his life. It changed his life. He's now finishing school. And it actually just the other day, we had the, around a fam, as a family, we were sitting around a table and we were remembering that moment. And, and it was so beautiful to see him talk about that pain and that moment of pain that he experienced and, and how he spoke about how that moment he, he, he can now laugh about it. And he actually recognizes that there's things he could have done differently in that time. But now he's doing so well. And, uh, and our, his brothers were talking about that time and how they remembered the impact it had on him. You know, when we made the decision to change schools, that meant that sometimes they had to walk home from school because his school is a half an hour away from our house and we had to drive and fetch him. And now that his brothers are older, they're driving him around sometimes. And our whole family paid a price. But we're all celebrating today because of the restoration and the healing that happened in his heart. And I, I, I want to bring that for us right now. And I know there's, politi there's political things going on and, and wrong things that are happening in this time. But as a pastor, I, I want to say to you today that God is doing something similar, I believe, in the world right now. And many will say, but that happened in America. It's, a, it's not an American problem. It's different in South Africa. It's not the same as in America. But we have our own problems. We have our own history. And this is a time for us to, to look in the same direction as our father is. When our father says, I want to attend to one of my children, and I want to tell them that their life matters, this is an opportunity for us to join him and to say, Lord, how do we mourn with those that are mourned? And you know, when somebody says, I've got pain, when somebody says, I'm struggling, you don't go and tell them they shouldn't have pain. You don't tell them, just get over your pain. You go and sit with them and you listen to their pain. You ask them, tell me about your pain. You, you let them describe the injustice they feel. That's the first step that, that we need to take. So I was thinking and praying about these things over this week and these couple of weeks that things have been going on. 
and looking at the media and listening and reading and talking to people and trying to figure out now, how do I, what, what do I do? And then I, I thought about today and, and I felt it would be right for me to talk with you. And again, I want to say I'm talking to you as your pastor. And I, I'm talking to every person in, in our church, in both of our churches. White people, black people, colored people, Indian people, everybody. I'm talking to us all. Not talking to one group this morning. I'm talking to all of us. And I'm talking to you and I recognize, I don't know if some of you have noticed, but I'm white. I'm actually an Afrikaans person in my upbringing. And, and, I, and it's necessary. I believe this is a time to talk about these things. And I would be wrong if I didn't talk about it at this time. But there's great risk in it. And, and I've been watching how other people have spoken about this time and how they've handled in, in their churches and in other forums talking about it. And, and one of the great ways to do it, and I, I may do this in the future, is to get a panel together and discuss it with other people of other races and ethnicities and colors and to talk about it together and to share their experiences. But then as I prayed about it, I felt it would be right for me to sit here today with these bright lights on me, me on my own, and to talk with you about this as your pastor. I'm not talking to the rest of the world in the main. And anybody that's joined us from other parts of the world, you're so welcome. But I'm, I'm talking to you as your pastor today. And, and as your pastor, the, and, and I know my heart. I am the pastor of the black person, of the white person, of the Indian person, of the colored person. I, I, this is not a church. Hatfield is not a church. Hatfield East, Hatfield South. It's not a church that belongs to one racial group and the others get to visit and attend. It's all of us together. This is our church. The kingdom of God is our kingdom. And the church represents that. I'm so grateful that I'm, I grew up in Hatfield. If it wasn't for Hatfield, I don't know where I would be in terms of my own journeys in learning how to, how to be a person that loves and embraces people of all ethnicities and cultures. You know, when, when I grew up in Hatfield as a young person in the 80s, I spent times in townships because my church youth group went into township areas. I had friends that were, that were black friends and Indian friends, particularly in those days. Because my church said, it's not right that we get separated. When I did the year of your life in 1989, when it was strictly still illegal, I lived in a house with many different races and ethnicities. I remember that moment in our LTS where we watched Cry Freedom, the Steve Biko story, and how it broke my heart. And, and that began a, a, a learning in my, in my life about the realities of the struggles of my fellow South Africans. I want us to have the conversations. Today, me talking with you like this, this is not me closing a conversation, but wanting to open a conversation. I want us to come to the place where we can sit down with each other. And, and, and attend to each other. You know, if you, if you left it up to me, I wouldn't have chosen this time to deal with this problem. Because we've got our hands full dealing with COVID-19. But this is our Father's timing. This is our Father. He's saying, I want to deal with the social distancing that has been going on in the world. And all we can do is respond. So how do we respond? I believe the first thing we need to do is to recognize. To recognize people's pain and struggles. And again, please, 
When, when we recognize one person's pain, doesn't mean we don't recognize somebody else's pain. And as communities, there will be times that we will, that we will attend to one situation more than another as things happen and shift. But we need to recognize right now, and I want to ask everybody, all of us, to recognize the, the pain that our black brothers and sisters in this nation has experienced over generations. It's real. Let's, let's rally around that. Let's come and love them. And like we've done with our children and you've done in many situations, let's come around that and say, let, tell me about your story. So the first step is to recognize. The second step is to listen. Let's listen. Let's tell people, allow me. And, and some of those stories are hard, man. It's hard to hear the pain that, uh, that people have suffered by the hands of people that, that are like me. And I know white people have suffered at the hands of other people also. I know, and I'm not saying that's not real and true. I'm just saying this is a moment where God has decided he is looking at one situation. And I know that when God looks at one situation, he's got every situation in mind. And this will probably lead to the healing of lots of people, lots of races and ethnicities. All of us. Remember, we're all suffering. We're all struggling because of sin and the effects of sin. So let's recognize. Let's listen. Let's, let's be compassionate. Let's do what the scripture says. If one mourn, we all mourn. Let's, let's be able to have the security and the identity. It, we, we are all secure that God is my father. He's my provider. He's my protector. He, he looks after me. When God gives something to my brother, I don't have to be afraid and feel now. There's no competition in the kingdom of God. There's more than enough. Our father owns the cattle on a thousand hill. He's, he, he's got more than enough. His mercies and his grace never runs out. So when he attends to my brother and says, I want to heal my brother and celebrate my brother, that doesn't mean he's taking anything away from me. And I can join that celebration. And that's the spirit and that's the heart that I would like us to have in this time. As we rally around, as we gather around. I want every black person that I, that is a friend of mine, that is a member in our congregation, that I have the ability to say to right now, I want to say to you, your life matters. Not only does your life matter, your life is special. Your life is beautiful. It's made by God. And in the verse, in the scripture, in this verse that we so often have quoted in Hatfield and that we so have spoken about so much, Galatians 3 verse 28. There is no longer Jew nor Greek. There is no slave nor free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. This is our foundation. We are one before God. We, we, we're not too hung up about the difference. But that doesn't mean we don't see color. You know, when God created us, when he made you white or when he made you black or when he made you Indian or colored to use a South African descriptions, that wasn't a surprise to him. You didn't come out black and he went, ooh, how, okay. He intended you that way. He made you that way. And, and God's not colorblind. God sees your color because he made you that color. He says that color is beautiful. That ethnicity, that race is beautiful. And the only way we can display some of his beauty is through all of that variety. So he made us that way. And we've got to celebrate that. And secondly, 
It's right. We stand on the scriptural foundation that we are all equal before God and that we are all the same. But we also have to recognize that in our world, in our society, that's not always true. That racism is real. Systemic racism exists. And we have to recognize it. And we have to, as the body of Christ, be prepared to talk about it. Be prepared to deal with it. We can never, as the body of Christ, ever come to a place where we accept, excuse, or be silent about injustice, racism, bigotry, anything like that. It's never compatible with our message of the gospel. We can't, on the one hand, be preaching the gospel of Jesus and on the other hand be practicing any form of discrimination in, according to, about race and things like that. It's, just, it, it's incompatible. You can't do it. It weakens our message significantly. We have to, in this world, recognize today that we're still struggling our nation is still struggling because of its history. And it will take us time. But time alone doesn't heal the wounds. It's intentional time that heals. And if we are intentional as a nation and we're prepared to, to talk with one another and share with one another, we will overcome this. So I want to ask you, let's have conversations. If you're a black person and, and, and you've tried to have the conversation but you've been shut out, I want to say... Again, forgive us. We prepare to have the conversations with you. If I've said anything today that, that is not right, that perhaps hurt anybody more, please forgive me. I, it's, not my, it's not my heart, and I trust that you understand that. But I have to be prepared to talk about these things and even be prepared to, to make mistakes and, and so that others can help me and so that I can continue to learn. So that... So that we can be the body of Christ. So that the kingdom of God can become visible in South Africa in this time. So let's continue to talk with one. And if you're a white person, man, this is a fantastic opportunity. You, you, you're not the problem. You're the solution. You're part of the solution. By recognizing, by speaking, by listening, we can attend to each other and love each other and create a different sense in our community. So I want to, as I end this time, and I, and I want to say to you, we are in this and we are going to continue to learn together. It's not the only problem we face, but it's a big problem. And we're going to continue to, to learn together, grow together, and love one another. And I, I want us to turn to 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 as we end. And today, I, I don't know if I want to give discussion points. It almost feels too trivial to do that. But what I want to do is focus on the scripture. If you want to talk about things, you're so welcome to do that. I think there's lots in this message that you would want to respond to and talk with each other. But can we come to the Lord in prayer? 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is moving across our world in an unprecedented way. I believe we are living 
in historic days. My friends in America tell me that what's going on in America is bigger than the civil rights movements of the 60s. God is doing something and it's spilling all over the world on many different levels, not just in terms of social reconciliation, but in healthcare, in, in, in our economies. God is stirring things up. He's moving. His face is set upon us and he's doing a work of healing and changing this world. Let us cooperate with him. Let us be secure in our identity. I am God's child. Nobody can change that. Nothing can change that. I'm forgiven. I'm washed by the blood of Christ. I stand tall in that. And because I'm secure in that, I'm prepared to say, heal our land, Lord. And what must I do? How do I play a part in seeing you heal our nation, heal our world? Let's pray together today. Lord, heal our land. And see the joy of the Lord. And let the joy of the Lord strengthen us today. So as I end, I want to end with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you. For our two churches, Hatfield South, Hatfield East, such beautiful places filled with amazing people from all walks of life, all ethnicities, all levels of education, all races, all genders, that we are together in this, Lord. And I thank you for this, Father. Thank you that you are building us into a space of your family. Thank you that we can come and sit around your table and that we are being reunited with you, learning what it means to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and also learning what it means to love each other and to love you through loving each other. And I pray that right now that you will heal us. We want to recognize the sin in this world. We ask you to forgive us for the sin of racism, the sin of, of injustice and, and, and treating people in any way less than. Forgive us, Lord, wherever we've done that. Forgive us that any race has ever tried to be superior than another race, Lord. Forgive us for that. And heal our land. Heal this nation. We pray, Lord, that this will be a key moment in, the nation, in our nation's history, where we will see another phase of the healing of our nation. We trust you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for the heart of every person that heard this message this morning. If they're upset, I pray, Lord, that they will experience your love and your grace right now. If they are hurting, I pray that they would feel your hand upon them, that they would feel your love for them right now, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you want somebody to pray with you, we've got teams in both churches standing by ready to connect with you. If you're watching through Hatfield East, then you can go to hatfield.online.church and go and send a message there. You, there's also a, a, a code that's going to come on on the screen, an address that if you type that in, you'll actually go into a call, a Zoom call, and there will be somebody waiting for you to have one-on-one -on -one FaceTime with you and to pray with you. Uh, if you're at Hatfield South, you can go to hccs.online.church and, and go into a chat room there and somebody will pray with you. If you don't have data and you can't make use of that, then send us an email, pray for me 
at hatfield.co.za, pray for me at accsouth.co.za. If you're listening via the radio, that may be a great way for you to connect or watching this message some other time. I just want to say, Natasha and I, we love you. We love everybody in this community. And we want you to know we are, we are with you, we are for you, we are your pastors. Along with the leaderships of both churches, we are, we are your leaders, we are your pastors, and we love you. Have a fantastic day and an amazing week. Bless you.